Today I'm joined by Catherine and John Nicholson from the virtual training team. We are talking about scaling up. In 2015, it was just two of them and they had a small business and they then decided they wanted to scale. So in our conversation today, we talk about all things scaling up. Who was their first hire? How did they hire? What's their mindset whilst they have been scaling up? Is there a grand plan or is it all left to chance? Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to this episode of Stories from a Facilitator. Today I'm joined by John and Catherine Nicholson of the Virtual Training Team. Welcome. Thank you. you. Excited to be here. Catherine, I always start these conversations uh, sharing with the listener how we know one another. And I'm wondering if you can recall. Do you know, I can't recall when we met. I feel like you've been in my life forever now, Kirsty. But I know we've almost we've almost worked together a few times. It's never quite happened. Do you know how we how we met? Can you remember? I will put money on it being a social media bromance. That's how I find all my good yeah. friends in the workplace. Back in 2015, even. Wow. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But we, we mix in the same circles and we've, I think our opinions are quite similar, albeit we regularly challenge each other as well on our WhatsApp group, which is good. And then, John, we've not really met a lot, but I hear about you through Catherine. <laughs> so, welcome. Welcome to today. Thank you very much. Today. I'm very pleased to be here. So, we're going to talk about scaling a business because that is something that I have seen happening through both of you at VTT and you talk about with me, Catherine. So I was wondering if you could take us back to how it all started some 17, 18 years ago. Well, originally it was 20 odd years ago that we, um, we, we met through work and um, I had this sort of mad idea that you know, we could do this for ourselves. And we started a consultancy called Red, Red Training. Um, and we did a lot of associate work and we had our own clients, but effectively we we just ran around the world, didn't we? All around the UK, all around the world. And it was all very exciting, um, delivering to all sorts of different organizations. Um, but it did get to a point where we were like, like enough, we need to have a bit of a, a lifestyle shift which is why we one of the reasons we started the virtual training team which was eight years ago now I can't believe it um we made the decision in Tenerife if you remember one new year um and we were just thinking about what what can we do that gives us a bit more balance and not traveling was something that was like up there um we'd been in the world of virtual training for quite some time um and we're like, well, we love it. We're good at it. We're passionate about it. It's growing. Let's put our flag in the ground and go for virtual training. And so, uh, John, I'm curious, what does, a, at that point, what did a lifestyle business mean for you? Well, one being uh, not on the road five days a week and then unpacking on a Saturday and invoicing on a Sunday and then going back out again, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it was, I think, getting us... Uh, back in the same room was quite a nice thing to do from a lifestyle point of view um, and the original plan was that I was going to uh, work a little bit less um, and that didn't quite come to fruition <laughs> um, 
and here we are today sort of thing. So I think I think it was more about, uh, you know, we'd done a 20 year shift and 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 traveled, like Catherine said, traveling constantly, becoming really brilliant travelers, because that's what you have to do. You do, yeah. Given that circumstance. And, um, and we just sort of said, we've done that now and enough. And the world of virtual training was opening, so it gave us a great chance to um, to centre ourselves here, uh, enjoy the house we live in and the the place we live in, and um, and the three cats. But you had those by then. I think they probably influenced things. It's like we want to be home more. I love that. I think that was yeah. That was probably lifestyle for me, or, or what we meant at that time. Yeah. Um, and let's just jump to where we are today, and then we're going to fill in the gaps. So, where mm-hmm. are you now? How? One of you describe what is happening for VTT. Well, um, we are still in the the same premises, but we now have uh, proper offices for both of us. So you can see Catherine's is a delivery environment, mine's a uh, and a work environment for Catherine, and mine's a, just a work environment. Um, so uh, that's the sort of sign that we're encamped here uh, in Lincolnshire in our home, but working. Uh, very hard uh, we developed the team up to 15 16 people yeah so we've we, we're a complete remote team so we are we literally are the virtual training team we're a virtual team we have um colleagues across the uk from wales scotland england we've got some in spain um and we've got people in our team that we've never even met in person yet okay and 15 people are they associate or are they perm permanent everyone's permanent we do have a whole amazing associate network of coaches that we use to deliver almost all of our delivery um and so everyone is i guess my back office here in vtt amazing and my question next is so how did you go from lifestyle to running a business with 15 people and sitting in the seven figure just operating as a seven figure business how how does that even happen because i i can relate to the first bit but my brain blows up when i go wow like utter respect catherine wow thank you A, a real moment looking backwards we tried to do both things at the same time so we tried to continue being associates and running our red training business while we built up vtt and discovered very quickly that we're just going to fail at both. We can't be successful. So we had to just make some decisions and say goodbye to some work that we did and relation, not relationships. We didn't burn any bridges, but, you know, walk away and focus 100% full time on VCT. So that was a big thing. And it was still just the two of us. Um, but as we started to get into it and think about how do we build our business, we did a lot of research around like inbound marketing and how to grow and um, discovered HubSpot as a a CRM, which we still use and love today, Um, and started to realize that to build our business, we need to create a whole load of content. And we started to do that and see the results, but realize there's so much to do and there's not enough time to do it. So at that point, we decided to make our first hire, which was um, a content writer, social media person. Um, and they were working full time to organize our content, write our content. We also at that point engaged a, an agency in India who were looking after HubSpot for us because it's there was a, a lot to do and we weren't um, 
we didn't give it the justification that it required. We then realised that we had leads coming in that weren't being worked. I mean, how crazy is that? Having a business where people are actively filling in farms, but they were falling between the cracks because there just wasn't enough time to deal with them. So then our second hire was a salesperson. Okay. So pause, breathe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lots to take in there. So back to the decision, though. Was it purely based on you just thought we're not being the most effective? And we need to do something differently. To begin with, yeah. But very, very quickly, we realised that we had something. You know, we okay. like, we've got something here. And it would be a real shame not to explore the potential okay. of what we could do. And how easy was it to make the decision to invest in that first hire? It was, it was fairly easy, actually. Um, because we contracted somebody initially before employing them. So, um, so we always had an option. Uh, but I, I prefer never to really have that option. I'd rather commit to someone than commit to us and, and that be the way forwards. Uh, so I think it was relatively easy there. And I think I'd, I'd add to what Catherine said that what what started to happen was that we had, we've like Catherine said, we, we sort of realised we had something. Um, and then to, um, to make that work, to exploit that position, we realised that, there was a lot of work needed to in the social media space and content, et cetera, et cetera, um, that we just couldn't do. It was too voluminous to do and we just needed help. And it then just became a sort of series of sort of steps forwards rather than a grand plan of by the end of such and such year we will be at. It was, well, we need a, a salesperson to come in and then we need the next person. And uh, with the revenue being right, um, that enabled us to sort of carry on the journey. Nice. And I was going to ask, when you make a hire, do you hire for what's coming or do you hire because you know you've got the revenue happening already? Does that make sense to cover the, the yeah. cost of the hire? I think uh, we prefer, uh, but not always, we prefer to hire ahead of time. Uh, L&D particularly, you know, we always compare ourselves to a, a rubber duck company, get it, believe it or not. We do. And we, 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 seriously, we do. <laughs> go, are we, are we, you know, if we were a rubber duck company, we'd have to have stuff on the shelf, we'd have to have a factory, we'd have to have manufacturing, we'd have to have raw materials, all sorts of stuff. And we're not. We're, we're effectively, as a L&D company, we're a, we are a consultancy that produces solutions that we then deliver, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, one of the good things is that the, where we, where our investment goes is in people. Um, and so we, instead of having to buy a factory or a warehouse or a lorry, uh, we can hire people and then therefore willingly do it ahead of time. And, 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 and the phrase I always use with the team is, are we backing ourselves? You know, have we have we got the gumption here to back ourselves to hire that next person to hire another, you know, whatever that role is? Are we backing ourselves to do it? And and sort of with uh, we're quite top heavy actually with um, uh, five directors as such running a fifteen person company. Um, now that's on the basis that we've invested in in because we don't want to be a fifteen person company for very long. We want to be twenty thirty. Um, but we we have to have the, those five roles covered in order to to grow the company. So we are just sort of standing back and looking at it. I think we are 
uh, hiring ahead and then backing ourselves. To hire ahead. Can you just name the five roles that you've got that sit at director level, just to help people understand where your thinking is? So we have marketing uh, and then we have coordination. That's our um, organisation of our uh, workshops, our in interaction with our clients to get those, those uh, workshops organised and our coaches. And then we have uh, commercial stroke sales uh, and then we have operations and then we have Catherine and we call Catherine um, we because Catherine is the sort of is the part of our business that everybody sees. Um, and we we describe her as point. We actually give her the title of point. And the idea is that, you know, when the um, unfortunately a plane crashes in the jungle and uh, you know, the, to the 10 survivors have to find their way out and there's only one machete and there's somebody at the front chopping their way through the jungle, defining a pathway for that group of people to move. That's what Catherine does. So we call her point because she's out that, there at the head. That's not on my like email sign off, Catherine Dixon. Point. point no. <laughs> I'm creative director officially, but yeah, yeah that's, that's what I do. What I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by is like the first hire was someone within social media for content and then the second was within the HubSpot world of um, leads. Many people listening to this, often their first hire is a virtual assistant or someone within finance to help them. I know my first hire was um, Victoria, my finance manager. I, I could think of nothing worse than doing my finances. So she's brilliant at doing all of that. Um, I'm, I'm just interested, like what made you go for the, so the content versus one of those two roles or was that, we still, have, we still haven't hired for finance. That's the one that we've been debating. Um, yeah. because we've outsourced. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, so Keep instead of a virtual assistant, a virtual yeah. financial assistant. So, well, not virtual financial assistant, but we, we outsource our bookkeeping and our accountancy and, and everything else. Um, and have found that that's been, you know, we've formed a very close relationship with that company now. We we use them prior to, to VTT. So it's been an ongoing relationship for a long time and it works. So we don't tend to need that support, but we we, we need the support, but we don't need it in-house. I would say as, as well, Kirsty, that it all sounds very thought through and proactive, but we'd hired our first, these, the two people that we mentioned, and that's when COVID hit. Um, and being the virtual training team, it's quite a good name to have during the pandemic. If you can think of, you know, we had literally clients banging our doors down saying, we need your help. We cannot continue to do what we do if we can't train people virtually. So that very, very quickly, we grew a lot of the team we had to hire designers we I think our third hire was a coordinator then designer then second salesperson and and so it so it went on from there um, and that was definitely a how do we survive even because it was it was full on I remember that period because we were talking just beforehand about doing something together and then that was when we were having conversations about oh my goodness the world's just changed what's that all about I remember that I can see where I was having that conversation with you um, so that was only in 2020. So I was going to say the trajectory. So it's the last three, four years where it suddenly started to even increase even more. And COVID was something that that time worked for you. Like it's where I, I saw this, like finally 
corporations accepted that learning can happen virtually, which was great, great news for us all, I think. Yeah, it's a it's a blessing and a curse um, for us, obviously, people involved. It was just a curse um, in that we obviously we got very busy very quickly. But before the pandemic, our niche was virtual training. Um, and once the pandemic hit, every training company was a virtual training company. So we've had to work since then to keep staying ahead and readjusting and see what is that what what makes us different and you know we're now going back to more of a blended approach we're now um we're delivering face-to-face we're bringing in vr and all of that so we've had to really keep slashing away <laughs> going forward to figure out what's next and how do we stay either ahead or um further ahead of you know the the, the race really um the question i had because there's two of you and you started a business together um Do you think that makes it easier to make some of these decisions that you have been making about scaling up? Because there's two of you to have a chat with. I would say definitely. What do you think, Well, yeah. (laughs) So something to consider is that Catherine is a fairly high optimist and I am not. Um, I don't think I'm a high pessimist, but I've had a long corporate career prior to doing all of this and you know that was quite tough and it it sort of you know you get bashed around a bit sometimes and you learn a lot of lessons and all of that sort of stuff so uh i think it probably i probably agree with catherine but on that basis that if it was just catherine making decisions we probably wouldn't be sitting here talking today we'd either be on a caribbean island having a, a, a cocktail because we've made our trillions or uh, Catherine would be in a debtor's jail somewhere. Um, <laughs> that's, that's so true, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so, but having the, having the, t- uh, so if we, if we're here to talk about making decisions and scaling, I think it's incredibly useful to have serious, hard nosed conversations about, what is it we actually want to achieve? What are we prepared to put into this? What are we prepared to invest in terms of pound notes and you know uh, the hard work and, and all of that sort of stuff? And, and actually trying to sequence out and play out um, uh, what you know, if we hire that person, what does it actually the company then look like in six months' time? What are we going to get? Um, what's the structure going to be like? Um, and so on. So I think it's incredibly useful. Yeah, to, I to have two people. I saw this feel quite jealous because I'm on my own and I always looking for someone to help me with my thinking because I am like Catherine I'm the eternal optimist and I can get in my own way of making a decision so therefore I get um, paralysis and I don't make decisions um, so I think it's a it's wonderful to hear that, that you've got you've got each other uh, and what people on. don't know Kirsty is that sometimes when Catherine and I make decisions we actually shake hands Awesome. <laughs> well, because there's also the piece, obviously, you're married. And so there's the, the whole dynamic of the marriage and relationship as well as work. Um, that's a whole different conversation, I think. But that I think that needs to be acknowledged, like how you work together in in the context of VTT, being able to separate it and move it to another space when it's your personal life. So. Well done. It, it, it stops arguments. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Um, 
but there's going to be people listening and I'm one of them who doesn't have like a, a, a second person to talk to. What advice would you give to those people about how to make those decisions that you've started to make? What could they do? I would say you find somebody that you can trust as a sounding board that will challenge your thinking and not just agree with you. And it's really important. Um, you know, what we have, Kirsty, in our little WhatsApp group is so useful, isn't it? Because we are a group of four very similar and very different characters and we challenge each other's thinking and we can be brutally honest with each other and, and with ourselves. And I think you need to find something. You know, I see people in our industry that have made mistakes because they just didn't have anyone to challenge them or didn't ask anybody to challenge them. And like John, you know, John said, I'm so optimistic. I would hire everyone, forget to invoice and it would all be a mess. So I think even if we weren't together in the business, having somebody that can be that, that, that sounding board is so critical. I think the other thing is, is to add to that, Catherine, is I think a mistake that's easily made is that a decision is finite. So you might decide to invest in X or Y. And uh, when you've not yet made the decision, you think you're either making a good decision or a bad decision, and you're trying to avoid making the bad decision. And actually, the, the outcomes of the decisions that you make, you sort of have to live with, and they are on a, a scale, if you like. You, 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 I've ne I can't think of the last time we made a decision and it was totally, utterly wrong and failed completely. And I can't think of the last time we made a decision where it was a really good outcome, but it was perfect against the decision that we'd made. It's degrees of, and it's about working in the situation once you've made the decision. But you'll never know anyway, because you don't see, you? it's like that idea that you, you go, do I go to um, Jamaica or Mexico? You decide to go to Mexico and then you get your, your purse stolen and you go, oh, it was such a bad idea. I should have gone to the other option, but maybe you'd have gone there and broken your leg. You'd, you'd never know because you don't, you don't get to watch the two movies play out. But you've got to move. You've got to move. But there's something about the momentum, like keep taking steps forward. What other mindset do you, do you hold when you're in, in the space that you're in right now, scaling up? I think part of it is you have to remind yourself why you're doing it. Because there's so much to do that, you know, with, with, with everyone, not just us, everyone listening, you know, we're, we're all so busy. Um, the year flies by and it's easy to forget, actually, why do I do this? Why do we get up every day? So I think we've got like a few like mini mantras that we use with, with all of our team. For example, if it's not fun, we're not doing it. It's a really nice reminder of, you know, that doesn't mean that every day is a, you know, a box of chocolates. <laughs> and, you know, things are really tough sometimes, but it does give you that grounding of we're doing this because we want to enjoy it um and also we want to play and also we want to be curious um but also from certainly from john and, um, and my perspective is we're curious to see what we can do with this like what potential we can fulfill in ourselves and the business and the rest of our team and that's really exciting never i don't think we've ever had a day when we've we've said great i'll just be calm today and nothing much will happen and or, or, or if, if we ever have thought that for a second, it's a very bad, very bad thought to have because it's. it's I, I often think it's a, a relentless onslaught of problem solving, and um, 
you know, every day presents multiple, multiple, because you've got moving parts like clients and coaches and the team and all of this. And it's just thinking uh, when you're on your own, if it's just Catherine and I, we we knew the business so well that we were running and we knew each other and we knew we know each other's answers to everything and we could just we were seamless you know we're very tight and all that's great but with all the as you scale up it just becomes this it, the the challenges are just more and more relentless um, not not bad relentless they're just there all the time you know you, you so we recently had somebody um who uh became pregnant and we suddenly realized we didn't have a um a policy for that circumstance so there you've got to, to write it but then we had to uh, talk to the team about what what should be our policy and how should we treat this that circumstance etc and it's just every day you you're you're sort of buying more as you scale up you're buying more challenges and, and i often uh, equate that to as a company of 15 people we're dealing with the same amount of challenges as a company of a thousand people um and and, and so the mindset is it never stops and you just keep smiling because it never will stop. You've got to, yeah. And if you didn't enjoy that, then you shouldn't do it, should yeah, you? Because yeah. it would grind you down. And just, just to add one more thing, uh, uh, I, I often share with, with um, members of the team is like, this is the, the running a small business like we are and growing it. It's all about us making decisions. No one's putting rules on us as to what what we do or where we go or who we hire. It's it's within our grasp. So we must, we must never sort of, sometimes you, you almost get to a point where we're discussing something. It's like someone else has placed a set of rules on us and we've just got to break free. Now, this is ours. We either make good decisions or bad decisions, but we have to live by those. And, and so let's just do the best we can do and move on. And, it, you know, that's the fun of it is that we're building it, not a set of rules or a shareholder or, a, you know, a parent company or anything like that. We, we don't report to anybody. Yeah, it's our, it's it's our game. In yeah. Of Simon Sinek, and like, and it's a far, it's an infinite game, not a finite game as well. Which I always think when I read that book, I was like, oh yeah, we often come into business, and these businesses talk about you know their goals, their structures, like how they're going to achieve something, and they make it sound like there's it's a finite amount of time, and therefore the decisions are finite. But actually, unless you're going, do you know we will be closing the doors of BTT and SOF? in 10 years time, that's the only way that makes it finite. It's infinite. And therefore, so what does that mean for us as business, business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, like how, what's the legacy? That's where the legacy language came seeping into some of our lexicons. Um, when you're thinking about the business now, cause I'm sensing going from lifestyle to those first few hires, it was very much, um, Accidental would be unfair, but it wasn't necessarily as planned. How do you have a strategy now, like a three to five year strategy? Oh, right, okay. So we're both <laughs> giggling because we've been talking about strategy in the last week. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, we've just sort of signed off our, our strategy for next year. And, and we're not going to go, apart from some general views of where our, our uh, sort of our travel is taking us towards, you know, we'd always be concentrated around learning transfer and you know delivering great solutions to make maximise learning transfer. So we're not we're not probably not going to veer far from that path. That's that's where our love lives 
for it all and our skill sets that we've we've built. But beyond that strategy, you know, a year ago we didn't have VR, and today we're close to having VR as a, a live modality to deliver our solution. So where we where where we, that's going to take us in another year, we don't know. We're not sure we can forecast. So I think. Um, probably like lots of companies, we're a bit shorter term nowadays than thinking three, five, ten years. You know, back in my PLC days, it was three, five, ten years, and I, I think you know probably six months to a year is probably where we're thinking. That just having those regular conversations. Okay. And how long ago did you start having more of a, a forward-thinking mentality? Call it a plan, a strategy, a, an idea. We we've always talked about what's that phrase we use? Um, future memories. Memories of the future, yeah. Memories of the future. So we we often, you know, you you sort of fantasize about oh, I wonder what life will be like this time next year, or what the business will look like six months or two months, two years from now. So we've always had that future thinking mentality, but it's only probably been in the last couple of years that we've started to formalize it a bit more. Um, yeah. And what advice would you give someone listening to this who might be thinking, you know, I want to I want to grow my business some more than just being me about do they need a strategy? Do they need a plan or do you just wing it and see what happens? If it was down to me, I'd be winging it the whole time, Kirsty. Um, I'm naturally uncomfortable <laughs> with plans and strategy. But I know that it's important and I, and I know that the team need to know, like, well, where are we going and where are we, you know, pinning our colours? I get that completely. Um, but we set our plan and I probably should be saying this publicly. In the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, yeah, but we can always change the plan if we need to, <laughs> because we just don't know what's around the corner. Part of what we talk about a lot of ETT is flexing for what's next. So if you look at AI, I mean, as we record now, ChatGPT wasn't even launched this time last year and it's like everywhere so the tech is changing so much so I think it's it's important to I really do believe it's important to have a plan and a strategy but I think it's really okay to be willing to flex and change that as as needed and not see that my plan failed and Catherine I think that plays something that you and I both have in common because I to the angst of various people who advise me I rally against having a plan and I also know I play better when I have a plan. But things that paralyze me are making the decision and thinking I'm going to get it wrong. But I know those are about my inner beliefs and my limiting beliefs. Um, but listening to you speak, I'm like, there is something about being able to have a, a strategy, even if, like you said, John, for a year, 18 months, that gives us a, a compass, a direction of travel. And Catherine, for you, it's almost just like, this is the framework within which I can play. And so I'm really clear, like, it's about virtual. It is, and, and there is a slice of that strategy, which is what I'm hearing is about the future of technology. So what future technology can we bring in and be known for? So VR, AI, that makes perfect sense. Because, yeah, you don't know what, you, you are in that space of technology. <laughs> And you have to mix that with um, uh, the, the the other changing environment is the requirements of the younger generations coming into the workforce. So they don't necessarily want to learn in the same way that people of my age, for instance, might traditionally learn. So that's 
that means we have to change constantly. And, and the, the, the challenge for uh, our, our place and maybe for other people trying to scale is you, you bring a, build a team and they get great people and that's really important. And, and um, it's fundamentally important. And, um, and you say, right, this is the plan. And then someone like Catherine comes along after three months and says, yeah, but we've got to go and do this. And uh, it's, uh, that can be unsettling for the team to be in constant change. Um, because many people crave, you know, I, I need to know, I need to be on firm ground, I want to run the plan through, you know, and constantly changing is a really difficult thing for some organisations to achieve. Um, so we have to be mindful of the balance and how we introduce change and um, don't run around the room all, the, all day, every day, sort of shouting Eureka and, and, you know, tinkering constantly. It has to be slightly measured and uh, introduced carefully. I would... I would also say, though, Kirsty, going back to your question about, you know, advice to somebody else and your point about paralysis, which I completely understand. I think, you know, if you're if you're starting out, you're starting to build your business. I think it's really important to decide because you can get lost in, you know, this time next year, we're going to be X or we're going to be Y. And that can be a real big thing but it could just be like okay I want to build my business and the way that I'm going to build my business is by developing my social presence or by having a content strategy or by um networking but but then making that decision and putting massive action behind it that's the thing because we can just we can try lots of little things but that massive action and really putting that energy behind it is when you start to see and the results and the other thing I've learned is it's okay to be consistent in certain parts of your business about how you show up or how you do something. So to John's point, not tinkering. I, I could tinker. My um, Honestly, I joke with my team that their greatest fear is hearing me go, I've got a new idea. <laughs> yeah. And they go. <laughs> the rolling eyes. Yeah. Here she goes again. So, uh, and I'm the extra on the team because I've got four who work with me. Um, and they're all high introvert thinkers and they just look at me and go, they're brilliant. They do. They will execute, and they ask enough questions. But there is, I see an initial. They're not as excited <laughs> yeah. by me. Now I have another. I have another question for you around hiring. How, how do you hire? How does that process work for you? So I know it works differently for everyone, but it'd be lovely to well, hear from like a practical step by step. Like where do we advertise? That sort of stuff. Yeah. Is it? Just some of that. Like, how have you found some of your team? Uh, by recommends or uh, by what uh, what was previously called weak ties. Somebody knows somebody uh, as being very good for us. Um, and LinkedIn. Yeah, advertising on LinkedIn. We've also got um, two people in our team who were actually clients and they've now come and joined us as well so that's she says quietly so the clients don't all freak (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but yeah we 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 generally get an advert together and and put it out on the the free linkedin you know job ads that you can do we don't do the paid ones you do often get absolutely you know when i say you john gets deluged with all of these applications that you've got to sift through very quickly and then our process is john does a initial 15, 20 minute, just chemistry call to say, look, this is what the job is um, for both of you to decide, is it worth actually going to interview? And then we would interview probably with a couple of directors or maybe a manager of the team, if it was depending on what the role was. 
Um, next stage is the two of the directors interview. Um, as a family interview where usually there's some sort of task or presentation that they do and then we make a decision amazing uh i hear you about the the weak link slash recommendations that's definitely the route i have gone down many a time before i remember catherine you putting out a linkedin hire and we were chatting in the whatsapp group and i think you had like over 100 people everything from a a fireman who wanted to leave the cleaner and I think you were looking for a content person that you just had extremes of people come into this yeah. space. We had, we had somebody, do you remember that one, John? He, I think he, he worked at a cake shop somewhere on the South coast and was coming. I can't remember which role it was. And, and John was like, I'm really sorry. I don't think that this is sort of, you know, a good fit. And I think the response was, well, actually your loss. <laughs> I, I won't, yeah. I wouldn't share many of the examples of, yeah, of, of, uh, but one thing um, maybe is just worth mentioning for any anyone listening is one of the I worked with a a guy to write an advert, so I actually paid someone to help us uh, write an advert. And one of the things that he he uh, recommended we have in there was as a small business the fact that we don't have bureaucracy, we don't have layers of red tape, etc., and really play that out in your adverts, and it really has attracted. Uh, people to apply I'm not saying they're necessarily the successful but it's given us some um, it really is interesting that lots of people are looking you know might work in big corporates and have loads of professional services experience and all the brilliance you want but are now looking particularly with the advent of the uh, working from home working remotely piece that they would rather work for a small company that doesn't have all these layers of bureaucracy and, and regulation and everything else that can move quickly and is exciting can make decisions and follow them through very quickly um, and it might just be useful to to have think about that when you're uh, anyone else is paying out their advice it certainly paid dividends to us thank you uh what are the joys of scaling up We'll come to the challenges in a minute, but what are some of the joys for you that you've had? Well, I can start. I, I had a real moment when um, we promoted somebody in our team who was amazing um, from being a, um, a learning experience designer to senior learning experience designer to then like head of the learning design team. Um, and the real joy for me was I expected to say, look, I'm literally handing you the keys to the design studio. And I'm gonna I'm gonna moonwalk out of here. I thought that was gonna be really hard, um, and that I was gonna get that like sort of weird feeling in my stomach. But it was a joy. It was like this moment of because I know you're the right person and that you're gonna do an amazing job. That was that's a real joy to be able to. It's hard as it is sometimes to let go of things um, when you do and you can and it's the right decision. Oh, it's amazing. It feels so good. To add a couple of things, um, um, the, when you're in a client meeting and one of your team members is with you and they ask a brilliant question that really is like spot on for the situation we're in or culturally reflects what VTT is all about, like they, they really are VTT and like you sort of watch it play out, that's like makes my heart sing. So yeah, 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 yeah. 
you know, and you think, God, we've really got something here because they are, they now own it for themselves and that's just where you want to be. And, um, uh, and that, so that makes my sort of heart sing. Um, and then knowing that, I mean, we go on holiday and work, um, a lot and, uh, but that's our choice. Um, but we could choose not to work and the company wouldn't fall over. So that is one of the, the joys, um, it just separate those two things out. You know, the company works perfectly well without us. That's the joy, um, for a period of time. We do not have to be here every single day. Um, we choose to, but, um, but we don't have to, don't have to. And there's perfectly brilliant people in place to make good decisions and do all the things that need to be done. One challenge each, one personal challenge each that you've noticed as you have scaled. Hmm. See, I think in faces. Um, there's, there's lots. <laughs> um, I think, I think one of the challenges for me that maybe surprised me, maybe naively surprised me a little bit, is that I thought the you know as you bring people in, it makes your job easier. And it doesn't actually. My job is just as complex. It's different. I know I can do some of the things that I didn't have time to do before. But there is sometimes it's, you know, we've had people say to us, oh, great, you've got all of these people in your team. Does that mean you can take Fridays off now or, you know, get get some more work done in the garden? It's like, no, like, no way. So you, 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 you bring people in and uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it is a challenge is that you also by scaling, you've got to do all the stuff like you need policies. You need to make sure everyone's got their pension contributions sorted out and they've got laptops and Microsoft accounts and all of that, all that sort of stuff um, takes up quite a lot of headspace, um, which I just hadn't just naively. It just hadn't really occurred to me <laughs> that that would come with it. And, and you've got the challenge of, the, all of the team's future. Um, and I think that bears heavily on both Catherine and I that we, we need to run a, a company in a proper and fit way that we give surety to the team that their investment of coming to work here is going to be repaid you know, for a longer term and that the company is going to remain stable and you know all the things that they would they would want. And actually that is a burden of responsibility, is a challenge. Um, and perhaps not a challenge you think of when you've got one or two people, but when you've got a dozen people, that then starts to, you know, that builds a bit. Um, and so you, you, your decision isn't affecting one or two people, a decision is affecting the whole group of 12 to 15 people. I think that's a bit of a challenge. One of the things I'm very conscious about as well for all, all of us who run our own businesses, solopreneur, two-man bands up to, to the bigger businesses like yourselves, is um, where do we get our support from as the leaders of those businesses? And I was just curious, outside of your obviously amazing relationship that the two of you um, are expressing here, where do you go to get support? Well, I definitely recommend getting support. Yeah, I come to you, Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> you know I do. Uh, um, we, it's interesting. Uh, we've got um, so as a, a random example, we've got two of our best friends. Uh, they're retired. They were in a completely different industry um, to us. They were in the, the flower business, and they built their business from scratch and scaled it and grew it. Um, 
And even though it's a completely different industry, they faced all the same challenges that we've been facing. And and so we we like we talk to them a lot, don't we? And in, it's quite interesting how the challenges that we have aren't just L and D related. It's just business related, isn't it? If you're scaling, yeah, and find someone who just find someone who's advising who doesn't want to just provide you with empathy driven answers. Um, you don't need that. Um, I, I there are a number of uh, uh, groups that you can join uh, and pay a fee to get you, you, you uh, I don't know however much money a month and I think those are really useful I've, I've been on a couple of conferences we don't do it because we've got the five of us and we, Catherine and I've got ourselves and we're but I can see as a, as a solopreneur or uh, someone who feels quite a, isolated or just individual um being part of a group of uh people who are also growing their companies um who are in similar situations different businesses that can be tremendously useful i think and a really good investment a really tough investment to make because you know it can be quite expensive you think oh but if that it, it, um when you watch dragon's den and people go, oh, can I, no, I want, uh, I only give my, you know, 32.5% uh, of my company away for the investment rather than, you know, 35%. It's like, hang on, see the big picture. If you're making 10 million quid, you won't care about 2.5% of it if if that investor gets you there. So I think the, sometimes the, you've got to think of the return and where you're going to end up. And, and all I'd say is on joining a group, do your homework. Just check in. Are there recommends. some recommends? Do they have a fit with you and your values? Okay, I could carry on talking about this forever with you both, and uh, and I'm sure there'll be a, a second episode uh, later on. But I have some quick fire questions that I ask all my guests. Oh, it's not that bad. Uh, okay, and I think both of you should answer if it's okay. What? Okay. What advice would you give someone starting out in this world of L&D facilitation and training? To me, two things, network and, and be on it with the tech and software and stuff. I would say get yourself um, as an associate very quickly so you get experience and build your network that way. Nice. Uh, who do you follow in social media land that you think others should too? I'm a huge fan of Marketing Against the Grain, which is the um, CMO from Zapier and HubSpot. And they do a podcast, which is all about what's going on, what's new in marketing and tech. And I listen to that every single week. Absolutely love it. Conquer. And I think still dipping back into some of the good old, like a Simon Sinek video or Rene, uh, um, well, any, just any good stuff is just good to reflect on and, and uh, Go on, Kevin. I was going to say, if you're literally just starting out as well, you've got to give um, good old Gary Vaynerchuk a go. If you want to get pumped and motivated to, you know, deliver, create lots of content, then so he's going to So those who do don't it. know Gary V, quick headline, what does he do? So Gary V is um, he's an American, um, gosh, he's expert in social media and he, and content creation, and he's, incredibly successful and he's very sweary so if you don't like cursing don't listen yeah how have you invested in yourself or your business to support you to move forward we actually went to see gary v a few years ago <laughs> <Good answer. laughs> in, live in birmingham i remember um, Catherine was very yeah. excited 
I yeah. was. I uh, was. You don't need to go and see him live. Just watch his stuff. It's the okay. same on stage. Okay. Uh, Catherine, you read, you read a huge oh, amount yeah. of stuff. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was struggling there, but I do. I'm, I read, I listen to podcasts the whole time. Um, and being in a learning company, we, uh, we do set out to learn. We have learning time internally. So oh, nice. uh, we have a, a, what we call a, a disco, uh, a discovery session. Um, and we have that every week within in-house so that the whole team come together and somebody shares their latest workshop or they share some other significant learning for the whole company. And that's... So I think we're doing internally and then externally as well. Can I quickly change my answer? Yes, Reed, that's really important. But if you're in L&D, you might do that anyway. Get involved in some groups. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I've, had, I've been just so... Um, I've, I've found some really useful groups that aren't necessarily L&D that I've just got loads from. Nice. And final one, uh, what book do you recommend people read? I'm going to go with Radical Candor. This is absolutely wrecked. I think anyone that is going, that needs to have tough conversations or manage anybody, this is just a really good reminder of the importance of having those challenging conversations from a position of care. Catherine, who wrote Radical Candor? Kim Scott. Thank you. So Radical Candor, Kim Scott. John? So many. I, do you know, if you haven't read it or you haven't read it for 10 years, How to Win Friends and Influence People, because for me, we talk about the tech and we talk about products, we talk about this, that and the other, but ultimately an awful lot of your future success is going to be based on the relationships and how you treat people and how you treat interactions. So, you know, there's a lot to learn from that book or to remind ourselves of, you know, uh, authentic engagement with other humans. And can you remember who wrote that? Dale Carnegie. Thank you. It's still in my top 10 recommends for sure, yeah. We're going to collect them all together. Uh, John, Catherine, thank you so much for being my guests today. It's been brilliant and uh, good luck with the future. And I really, really look forward to seeing what comes next. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Loved it.